My name is Mike Diedrich, and uh, this is the VFP 92 radio show coming out of Seattle, being broadcast on KODX 96.9. With me today are Kim Hunter and uh, Dan Gilman, both Vietnam veterans and both members of uh, Veterans for Peace 92. Uh, what's also, uh, what they are also are, are board members of Peace Trees Vietnam. And we're going to talk about that and, and mine, mine clearance, UXO clearance in Vietnam in particular. So um, I'll let you, uh, would you like to give a background to it, Kim, on what Peace Trees is or Dan, which one would like to jump in on this? Doesn't matter. Um, okay, I, go ahead. Go ahead, Dan. Okay, okay. Well, um, if we go back to the beginning, um, Peace Trees was started by uh, Geraldine Brousseau um, and, and her husband, Dana Perry, and their son was in, um, I'm sorry, her brother was a helicopter pilot in Vietnam uh, during the war. And um, he, he, within a few months of him being over there, uh, he was killed uh, trying to save another pilot. And so Geraldine said, thought a lot about it in her grief and decided that she wanted to do something in his memory. And uh, she also thought about all the families um, from the United States who were losing uh, their sons and fathers, and she also thought of the uh, Vietnamese people who were losing um, sons and fathers and thought that once this war ended, they had to do something to reconcile this uh, terrible war and to uh, try to reconcile uh, with each other and come to, uh, come to peace. So once uh, the war, well, once the war was over, they were waiting till uh, relations with uh, Vietnam were normalized. And that happened in 1995. And once that um, uh, started, they immediately uh, got on a plane and went over to Hanoi and started making arrangements for uh, setting up an organization um, that would uh, do what she initially thought she wanted to do, is to help the Vietnamese people, to reconcile with them, to um, understand, come to an understanding uh, after this terrible war. And so, she called it uh, Peace, Trees Viet Peace Trees Vietnam and um, uh, meeting with government officials in Hanoi. They suggested probably the most helpful thing that they could do was get rid of the bombs, the landmines, the mortars, the rockets that were littering uh, all over Vietnam but no place 
more than Quanji Province, which uh, is the was the prov uh, province just below the DMZ, the demilitarized zone that separated a North and what was called the South Vietnam after that. So that's where they, they started setting up uh, um, their operations uh, uh, in, a, in a town called Dong Ha in um, that province. And so since 1995, they've been uh, uh, executing their mission of uh, getting rid of the bombs and the uh, un unexploded ordinances that are all over uh, uh, Vietnam. And so we are in our 27th year now of um, peace trees operating there. The headquarters is in Seattle, where we have a staff of about five people. But the main focus and Getting the operation done is in Dong Ha, uh, Quan Chi Province, Vietnam, where we have a staff of uh, 10, I think it is, and 130 deminers that operate in Quan Chi Province. But uh, two years ago, we went up to the province just north of what was the demilitarized zone, Quang Bin. And we're starting to work there, <clears throat> along with some of the other uh, demining companies. So um, the uh, United States government is actually subsidizes some of uh, Peace Trees. It, it's my understanding that Peace Trees is the only American NGO doing UXO abatement in Vietnam. Is that correct? I can handle that. Go ahead. Uh, Kim Hunter here. Uh, yes, we're the only American-based uh, organization doing um, demining and UXO removal in Vietnam. Uh, there is a Norwegian group and another one, I think. MAG. Yeah, MAG, yes. And we um, we get all of our funding for the actual demining uh, from the State Department. Um, they have uh, been very forthcoming, donating uh, in the uh, granting us quite a bit of money to do our demining work uh, in Vietnam. Uh, we could certainly use a lot more, but what we get, we're really grateful for. It's just a huge job. Um, the funding for everything else is uh, comes from private donations, and we do a lot of other things. Uh, Peace Trees believes uh, in a holistic approach to healing the land and helping the people of Quang uh, Tri and Quang Dinh province. So it's not enough to say, well, we'll go up and clean up your land and then we're done because um, the war impacted them in so many other ways as well. And we try to provide other ways of helping out so that it really improves the quality of their life and the viability. Uh, one of the things we do is we provide mine safety education uh, for um, young people and, and uh, old people, we provide scholarships uh, for very poor people in this area especially scholarships for um, uh, family members of folks who are impacted by um, mining and by um, accidents from exploding ordnance. So if somebody was injured in the field or something and is disabled, we step in and do what we can to help the children out 
and to help the family out to get them through that. We provide economic development. We find ways uh, to help the uh, farming uh, find new crops uh, that uh, and the land that has been cleared by uh, uh, and made safe to farm again and find markets for their crops. Um, we've um, experimented with uh, any type of banana tree, uh, these um, certain type of goat that grows well in this area. And a lot of these families can find um, a, a good subsistence um, uh, job in uh, one of these areas. Uh, so we do all these the scholarships. Uh, the other thing we do is um, uh, we build kindergartens and community centers. To date, we've built 22 kindergartens in this area. This is extremely important because the um, kids who uh, go to this kindergarten have to pay a tuition. It's not very much, but the family members cannot really afford it. <clears throat> and they are um, a um, minorities within Vietnam, the native language is uh, different from Vietnamese. So these kindergarten kids learn Vietnamese in kindergarten so they can be more, um, uh, they can be more connected with the greater Vietnamese society and, and have greater opportunities down the, um, the road. Um, I found out about all these activities when I was over in Vietnam in 2020 on a citizen's diplomacy tour. It's the last one, it's in January. The last one we had before um, we had to shut down to COVID, and um, I was just I found the 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 way we're the peace piece is going about doing um, uh, what we're doing um, just very inspiring and very remarkable. And um, I'm just um, really it was not long afterwards that I decided to get involved, and one thing led to another, and I became a board member. So um, I'm uh, I'm really proud and happy to be here today. Uh, because I was um, a veteran of that war. In fact, the job we do there is very personal to me. On that Citizens Diplomacy Tour, I visited a uh, harbor called Quaviet uh, that is very close to the demilitarized zone. And my main job during my first uh, deployment to Vietnam was I was on a naval amphibious ship to resupply uh, that Marine base uh, that was in uh, the demilitarized zone. Uh, with all manner of supplies, including um, bombs, uh, mines and order. I don't know what was there. There's a lot of ordnance that we delivered there. So it gives me um, a great satisfaction 50 years later to go back to that same place and be part of an effort to clean up some of the mess we left behind. Well, uh, thanks for that. Uh, so Dan, following up on that, what, what was your inspiration to get involved in peace trees? Well, um, I was part of um, Veterans for Peace uh, starting in uh, uh, 2005. And uh, I was at, at the convention in Seattle. That's where I really got involved. And there was there were some tables uh, with different groups. I think there were only two that were taking Vietnam veterans back to back to Vietnam. Um, and I thought at that time that I would like to uh, go back, see the country at peace, um, see what's happened since the war ended and how the country is uh, developed. And, and uh, also, just to see what I could do to help reverse reverse this destructive legacy of war of you know UXOs, Agent Orange, uh, 
all of this destruction that we we visited on that country. So um, um, I've been thinking about that, and then that uh, just shortly after that, it was in uh, January of I guess two thousand eight. I I decided just to go down to the um, Seattle uh, Center and uh, and and look at the uh, Tet Festival that was going on, and uh, that's where I ran into a table of Peace Trees Vietnam. They were uh, educating people about the work they did and inviting uh, not just veterans, but uh, citizens to go on these citizen diplomacy tours uh, back to uh, Vietnam. And so uh, I didn't want to go on those others because they were just kind of uh, going back to see their old um, uh, military uh, place that they worked or to uh, relive uh, battles that happened over there. Um, I wanted really, it, it really to be meaningful and, and make some connections with the Vietnam, Vietnamese people. And when they talked about the diplomacy tours that they conducted, uh, they made opportunities for us to be in contact with Vietnamese people and even some of the Vietnamese veterans uh, on the on the veterans uh, side. So that really uh, sealed it for me. And I, I went in 2008, I, I went again in 2014 and my last trip was uh, just before the one Kim did, uh, the last tour in 2019. So I'm a, I'm also a supporter of Peace Trees. I'm not a board member, but I'm a supporter, financial supporter. And VFP 92 actually uh, uh, made made some contributions and built a community center. Is so uh, what was the what was the uh, specific sort of project that VFP 92 uh, funded or helped fund? Well, uh, this was on my four, first time I went back in 2009. Uh, they had just built a um, kindergarten uh, near Quezon. And um, uh, all of these, like uh, Kim said, all of these uh, libraries and kindergartens are built by private donations. I, I saw that they wanted uh, donations for a uh, playground in front of the uh, kindergarten. And so um, I brought that to the uh, chapter, VFP chapter 92 and uh, they agreed, and I think I think the total amount was five or six hundred dollars. Uh, that um, that there there was some private donations, but the biggest chunk of it came from uh, the Vietnam VFP chapter there, and so they built that uh, playground there. And when I was over there, I got to see it in operation. Yeah, as you know, I've I've looked at some of the statistics of. Uh, of uh, casualties really in Vietnam, uh, particularly, uh, although I, as you and I know, the uh, the 
UXO in Laos and Cambodia is also uh, almost catastrophically um, horrible. But there are, uh, some of the statistics I read, is there's something like 40,000 people since the end of the war have been killed by UXOs in Vietnam alone, to say nothing mm -hmm. wounded or, so it's a. Yes, 40,000 killed, uh, about 65,000 injured or maimed. And um, uh, so there, in the places we visit, we visit some of the victims of UXO explosions uh, that peace trees are, are helping. And it, it's just heartbreaking to see that, you know, the head of the family who was a farmer working in the field and loses a limb, uh, uh, an arm, a leg, and they're just not able to be uh, productive again. It throws the family into a very precarious state, and that's where Peace Trees has been able to help the victims and um, and you know pro provide um, kind of infrastructure for people to get back um, to either continue you know surviving or or to get back to um, a job that they can do. Uh, uh, that that it with their uh, limitations. So, uh, I've seen some figures on uh, this. Uh, actually, State Department uh, uh, Office of Weapons Removal and Abatement, and I guess since '94, they've coughed up 185 million dollars to uh, UXO abatement. And I don't know if that's mostly through uh, peace trees or, or is it. Through, uh, funneled into other organizations as well. well I, I believe yeah. that's for the, uh, the total they spent for mine abatement. Uh, Peace Trees has gotten a substantial chunk of that. Uh, what percentage that? Not sure. But uh, the uh, State Department is... Uh, uh, is uh, the good news for us also is that we have a very good working relationship with the State Department. And... Um, they have um, made promises not only to sustain our funding for at least the next five years, but uh, I have expressed interest in increasing our funding upon a showing uh, that we can spend the money wisely, basically. And uh, I'm sure we can do that. So I would anticipate an expansion of our operations um, in Vietnam because it's a really a big job. And uh, the more help we can get from the State Department, the, the quicker we can make more land safe for the people of Vietnam. Well, I mean, I think it, I think we all look at it as a moral obligation of this country to uh, do what we can to mitigate what we did to that country. Uh, you know, I, I don't know about the, the money. What's I mean, the funding for the State Department is, is a political funding. I mean, they have to go to some sort of committee to actually get that funding or to increase that funding. Seems like $185 million isn't much money over 20, almost 30 years. Uh, so... Um, is it your understanding that they have to, uh, State Department has to go to a, a, a through the, the congressional sort of committee to get extra funding, or increased funding? Well, go ahead. Oh, well, it it comes with the State Department uh, uh, budget. There's a weapons and abatement uh, subcommittee to the uh, State Department that gets uh, funding. So. I mean, um, 
Patrick Leahy in the Senate has always been our champion of making sure that uh, there were increases in that um, fund every year that uh, would go for weapons removal. Uh, I think not just in Vietnam, but other places where we've uh, dropped bombs on countries that we've um, invaded. So um, it's just a matter of keeping that uh, funding coming through the State Department for the important work of taking care of our uh, destruction that we visited on uh, Vietnam and other countries. Well, Lay's got he's getting to be a long in the tooth. He's an old guy now. He's, he's about ready to retire. He is retiring. Yeah. yeah. So who's, who, who else is actually uh, an advocate for this uh, funding or actually increased funding through the State Department? Is, Lay, is that a, some sort of a committee? The the abatement, yeah. Well, it's a it's a, yeah, it's a committee of the State Department. Um, there is somebody uh, going to uh, that Leahy's handing the torch to her in the Senate. Okay. I don't know if you rem remember who that is, Kim, but um, there is now in the House of Representatives there is a uh, UXO caucus, an exploded ordinance. Uh, caucus and um, our seventh district congresswoman, head of the progressive caucus, is on that committee. So, Pramila, uh, Pramila Jayapal, yes. So that's great. So lately, Peace Trees have has been doing some advocacy work with the uh, House and the Senate uh, to keep that keep uh, senators and representatives. Um, educated and advised of what the need is for uh, continuing this work. Well, I saw some statistics actually it was from the government of Vietnam that they think maybe it's going to take a hundred years to finish clearing Vietnam. And every, every province is contaminated, some worse than others, like, like you mentioned. Yeah. Um, maybe, maybe I should, at this point I should just, uh, list what are the impact has been of this demining that uh, Peace Trees has done. So since uh, 1995, 4,712 acres of land have been cleared. 1,336,814 explosive, explosive ordnance have been removed. And, destroyed and it's benefited over almost uh, 300,000 individuals um, there. Also, they've uh, educated through their ordinance risk education about 175,000 individuals, mostly kids, um, and supported 215 victims and 63 families affected by the um, accidents um, from these uh, exploding uh, ordinances. And from the kindergartens that we've built, uh, 4,379 students now attend uh, kindergarten, and 3,249 of them uh, receive scholarships through Peace Trees 
to um, attend those schools and have a have a lunch uh, at those uh, kindergartens. And <laughs> uh, our name is Peace Trees. And on these citizen diplomacy trips, we always plant trees with um, a, a community or a school there in Vietnam. And since um, 1995, we pl have planted 44,000 trees um, on these trips. So that's that's some of the uh, impact that these trees has had. Go ahead, Kim. Yes, I'd like to uh, address your question on the scope of the work uh, and how long it would take, Mike. Uh, the fact of the matter is, um, if your goal was to remove 100% of all the ordinance ground, you would never, you will never get there. Uh, the amount of um, ordinance we dropped in the demilitarized zone is just unbelievable. There were more tonnage of bombs dropped uh, in that area of Vietnam than in all the theaters of all the wars of World War II. It, it just carpet bombed repeatedly uh, in our uh, country's unsuccessful attempt to keep uh, uh, folks from the north from uh, getting people and supplies down south. So um, the the idea of getting rid of it, that's not a, a, an achievable goal. What is achievable is making the land safe. So we do that by focusing on those areas where we have good reason to believe there is um, ordinance underground because the United States has kept good records of where the bombs were dropped. That's a good resource. There's a lot of remote uh, areas up in the mountains in the countryside where nobody really goes. Uh, that's not, if there's stuff up there, that's it's not, it, 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 that's just going to be left alone. If it's too deep in the ground, it's going to be left alone. So uh, by focusing on those areas where we're most likely to find things, in those areas you want to farm, near villages, into villages, and so forth, uh, we, we try to achieve the safest possible environment we can. We're at the point now where Quang Tri province has been cleaned up pretty well. And looking down the road, we're saying, well, do we keep working Quang Tri province and reach a diminishing point of returns, put a lot of effort into finding uh, uh, the remaining accessible ordinance in areas frequented by people? Or do we use that money to um, go to other places that we know there's a, a real concentration of bombs not far underground and mines and uh, work there where it's going to be um, uh, not to use a bad pun, but get the most bang for the buck. So um, uh, the uh, we think that um, um, uh, we're in a good position now to expand our operations uh, because Guang Tree has had a really good safety record of um, um, uh, since these uh, uh, in recent years from our demining activity and our miners, uh, our deminers have an excellent safety record. We've never had a serious injury out in the field because we um, really focus on you know, protecting the safety of our uh, demining teams, of which we have quite a few folks uh, working with. I think it's what, 265 deminers or something like that. Quite a few people we keep employed over there to do this uh, very difficult and uh, dangerous and uh, painstaking job, but they're real professionals. We're real, real proud of what they're doing. Uh, it's, it's my understanding that quite a few of those are actually women uh, who are working in the demining. Yes, they are. And uh, we have uh, some of the women are uh, uh, originally were the uh, ethnic Vietnamese. Now we're hiring uh, local in, uh, folks from the indigenous populations uh, who Vietnamese is the second language. And um, recently we um, had another milestone. We had an all women, all female team mining team, uh, the, the leader and the 
they were operating teams, and the entire team was uh, was female. So uh, that's uh, they uh, they do a fabulous job. So those those non-Vietnamese uh, uh, ethnics are Hmong, Hmong, and uh, 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 actually crosses over the border to some of the communities in Laos too, or Cambodia. There's actually a number of uh, uh, different uh, branches of ethnic groups over there, and uh, I, I honestly can't tell you which is which, uh, but I, I think the work we do uh, covers uh, several different uh, areas of ethnic groups who, who speak different dialects of the language that is uh, yeah. different from Vietnamese. Yeah, there are 56 different ethnic, um, ethnic minorities that comprise Vietnam. 85% of Vietnam is Viets, and then 15% are these 56 different ethnic uh, tribes, and they're mostly up in the uh, the hills away from the um, the water, their coastline. So that's primarily where uh, Peace Trees has focused its uh, its work, but. Um, yeah, there are a lot of different tribes, and the importance of the kindergarten, besides um, them get kids getting a, a head start, is that, like Kim said, they, they grow up learning uh, their ethnic language, and if they're going to succeed in life, they've got to know Vietnamese, and so those kindergartens help them uh, get started on learning. Uh, Vietnamese, so when they get into the regular public schools, they're not uh, trying to learn the language um, from scratch. <laughs> so it's a big help for them. Uh, I came across an interesting tidbit about using uh, rats to demine uh, African pouched rats. Are you familiar with that sort of uh, using those creatures to demine? We're not using that technique, but I find it very intriguing, um, and I've I've read about that too. I think they've uh, actually made more progress with that in um, Cambodia, and uh, they have actually um, trained rats to be able to. They have very sensitive uh, noses, and uh, they train them to sniff out uh, trace quantities of whatever gases that these um, unexploded ordnance um, um, emit, and they put them on a a wire run, they go down, they go back and forth, zigzag, and when they smell something, they make some kind of a signal, and um, if they dig and they find something, they dig very carefully, of course, so they scope the area out, metal detector, and then very carefully remove the dirt, and they find ordinance there, the rat gets rewarded with a treat. <laughs> and um, I've heard they're very successful. I'm, um, I'm just amazed uh, that rats can be trained to do that, but... The, uh, yeah, because they're actually only a pound or so, of, uh, and for like a mine, which yeah. is extremely destructive, can be extremely destructive. They need a couple of kilograms to set them off, so they don't set the mine off. No, they certainly uh, won't. Yeah, mentioning Cambodia, of course, uh, our work is in Vietnam, and um, the uh, the viewers need to know that um, what happened in Vietnam also happened um, substantial amount in Laos and Cambodia. Uh, and uh, their progress in uh, making their uh, lands that have been toxic and dangerous by uh, unexploded ordnance is way behind ours. Uh, they've, made, they've made a start at it. We're talking 50 years after the war is over. 
and they're just starting now. Um, I was in Cambodia, and uh, uh, it was a very common sight to see uh, uh, old folks and then even not so old folks uh, hobbling around with uh, missing limbs, uh, uh, um, uh, artificial limbs, missing arms, whatever. And um, I'd imagine most of those came from um, ordinance that they reported. So uh, do you know of any other, uh, if, if the United States uh, Abatement uh, Commission, State Department, is working to fund any organizations in Laos and Cambodia outside of the, I mean, there's, there's local organizations. Are there inter, any international organizations involved in Laos and Cambodia? I know at this point, there's been a lot of discussions, a lot of lobbying going on, uh, some uh, letters of intent or this sort of thing. Uh, it may be that that funding has started. Um, I'm not aware of um, how much uh, it is. If, if it is, it's, it's just a drop in the bucket. Um, I would hope that in the future, um, the um, United States government sees its way to um, doing more, um, funding more uh, demining in Vietnam and also um, really getting serious about helping clean up Laos and Cambodia because we're mainly responsible for what happened there as well. You know, speaking of that, I, uh, I came across a, uh, a, a note that said, the 2007 anti-personnel mine convention, mine, mine convention, and also the 2008 convention uh, on cluster munitions has not been signed by the Vietnamese government and, and also not by the United States. And do you think that that's political pressure on the Vietnamese to not sign that uh, because of their connection with the United States funding? It's kind of an interesting thing I, I didn't I didn't understand quite the dynamics of that by the Vietnamese considering how wrecked they were by this bombing and UXOs wouldn't want to sign that thing yeah I, I wasn't aware that uh, Vietnam hadn't signed it I knew the United States hadn't signed it yeah, I know so uh, yeah but uh, your audience uh may not know what a cluster bomb is, but there are these uh, bombs that are dropped from airplanes um, that have little, uh, have bomblets in them, like the size of a baseball. And they just rain down on an area and before, just before they hit the ground, uh, they open up and shrapnel comes out and hits everything in a, in a you know, 500 yard uh, radius. And, um, you know, they're really not targeted at, uh, at an enemy per se. And so, of course, why the um, world wants to outlaw them is because they kill mostly civilians and they shouldn't be, you know, of course, <laughs> we shouldn't bomb anyway, but uh, cluster bombs are, are just really uh, dangerous for families and kids um, going about their business. Well, as I understand it, the, the bombs are actually released from a pod and the they they spray these little bomblets. And yeah. They are they are dangerous, you know, sometimes fatally dangerous. Uh, the uh, what was I gonna say? Oh yeah. You know, when I was there, I was there during the war, 
67, 68, and the time I went out in the field. And the other sort of thing that's really common there are these unexploded uh, M79 shells. An M79 shell, you guys probably know what, it's the size of a large shotgun shell. But a lot of them didn't go off. But you pick one up and it'll blow your, blind you or blow up, blow up, uh, blow your fingers off. And they're all over the place. I mean, they were just, you know, I've seen piles of them out in the, in the woods where they just left them, you know. But they're they're ubiquitous in addition to the cluster munitions, too. And they, they don't look so dangerous, but they are. I mean, they'll, they'll blow a part of you off. Um, you're going to say something, Kim? Absolutely right. Our demining teams have found absolutely everything under the ground at one point or another, everything from the small M79s you talk about, to the cluster bombs, to the mortar rounds, to the landmines, up to and including 500-pound bounds. Every once in a while, I'm exploding 500-pound bomb underneath the ground. And what do you do with that? Well, you're very careful about what to do with that. And they, uh, they, take care of, they take care of the problem. Um, but if I were making the rules, like I, I think I'm preaching at the choir here, but uh, I think anybody who uses uh, uh, cluster bombs that uh, are designed to kill and maim personnel indiscriminately or mines that will go off and go up ex explode them and, um, 50 years later when some farmer's trying to farm and steal over the kids' plane, that should automatically be a war crime. I mean, it should be unconscionable. Anybody who uses that sort of weaponry should be an international pariah. But that's me. Yeah, well, I know that one of the reasons that one of the reasons the U.S. government, U.S. government gave for not signing a demining convention was that it's because in Korea they were worried that the North Koreans were going to come across the DMZ, so they needed mines to stop that invasion, which is, which is, you know, if you're not going to be able to stop the North Koreans coming here, mines are probably not going to do it, you know. Um, but the other thing is that, that we, we've dropped, we've got mines, as you mentioned earlier, uh, in other parts of the world. Uh, southern Iraq is littered with uh, cluster munitions uh, and uh, mines. Um, um, I know that we, not only us, but also the Russians in, in, uh, in Bosnia and the uh, Balkan Wars. But also remember that, you know, they're still digging up stuff from the First World War in Europe and on, on uh, Flanders fields. Uh, see an article in the paper every now and then. One, they find one. Most of them don't blow up because they're so old, but uh, they're still dangerous. Now, it doesn't they? La they last a long time. So, um, Mike, so, go ahead. Uh, if you know, I'd like your audience to know that. Um, these citizen diplomacy trips that Peace Trees offers are, uh, we've started them up again after COVID and we've got um, two or three scheduled for 2023. Um, but uh, ordinary citizens uh, are encouraged um, to go on these trips to Vietnam to be a citizen dip diplomat and to meet uh, people uh, in Vietnam see the work that Peace Trees uh, is doing. Uh, we've only really touched on it very lightly. See some of the develop economic development that's going on and 
how how uh, a lot of these communities are are thriving uh, because of the work that we do. We and we do this work uh, along with the government of Vietnam and the community communities that are affected. So they they are really part of the process. It's not like Peace Trees is going over and telling them what to do and how to do it. Um, we we work closely with the government, with the community, with the women's union to make all this happen. It's fascinating to see um, what's going on over there. And, uh, you know, going as a tourist, you would see some of the main sites, but you wouldn't really get into a community or a, or a, um, a village or a commune that's uh, that peace trees have con connections with. So uh, I would invite uh, people to go to peacetreesvietnam.org. It's all one word, peacetreesvietnam.org. And you can see a lot more information and you can uh, click the what you can do button. And that drop down will talk about, will have uh, citizen diplomacy tours, or if you just want to make a con contribution. I should also add that VFP uh, VFP92.org has a has a connection to uh, link to Peace Trees Vietnam, and and you can also visit visit the VFP site to do that also. So, um, uh, so what is the most important thing that you that you guys have uh, that you think the Peace Trees have done in Vietnam? Well, I, I think the most, I, I thought, first of all, of course, the demining, but but I think even more important than that is we recognize that the need to uh, approach this from in a holistic way. So demining is uh, is obviously, you know, of top importance, but if you just do that and nothing else, uh, there's, there, there are real limitations to what you do to help the folks out because they suffered so much in so many different ways during the war. And Peace Trees looks for the opportunities to address all those needs and uplift the entire community. So uh, I, I think that's an important, that's the first thing that came to my mind. Dan? I, th I think, uh, yes, yeah, that uh, connection with uh, the people over there. Um, uh, one of the things we do on these trips are to have a common meal with uh, some families in a village in their, in their house. And, uh, you know, it's just so re rewarding. Of course, we have the, our staff over there that helps interpret. Uh, and, and on one of the trips, uh, I was, uh, we were invited to the U.S. Uh, Vietnamese Friendship Association, where a number of veterans uh, from both sides uh, were around a table and talking. And, and um you know, some of us expressing uh, our regret for our participation in this in this war and uh, and asking uh, forgiveness for uh, what we've done to their people and what they've done to their land. So it's it's very meaningful. And uh, you know, um, coming back and when you realize the lies that we were told and and uh whatnot you know you just you, you feel uh, betrayed by our government yeah. and this is a way to 
uh, heal uh, for us as veterans to uh, go on those trips, but it's it's also for anybody uh, who who's interested in um, relationships with our former enemy. Well, on a couple of trips I've made uh, prior years to Vietnam, I was well. The first first trip I was really heart well it was heartwarming actually to have the Vietnamese tell me they didn't really they didn't really hold any grudges against the average soldier. They had some problems with the government because the government sent you there, and you know you were just doing your your duty. Uh, a couple of some of those encounters almost brought me to tears, but they were very kind and, and, and welcoming and, and uh, understanding, you know, especially, I mean, I went there like you, you do as, as an anti-war veteran. They knew that. I mean, I wasn't there to go and relive the war, but um, their Vietnamese acceptance and welcoming of Americans is, is remarkable, really, considering what we did to them. So, yeah. so uh any sort of final hug? What have we missed here as far as peace trees and UXO that you want to say something else? No dead time here. <laughs> I, would, I would say that um, the uh, looking to the future, let's talk about looking to the future here. Uh, the Peace Trees Vietnam uh, is growing as an organization and that uh, we're getting increasing funding from the um, State Department, uh, our private donations have been very successful. Uh, what we're always looking for is supporters of our cause. Um, there are so many ways you can get involved. Uh, the citizens of Bombay trips are, are marvelous. Um, we're always grateful for any contributions that people make. The money gets uh, the money couldn't be spent in a better way, as far as I'm concerned. And uh, we, uh, anybody who uh, wants to know more about what we're doing, um, and uh, especially if they might, might consider getting involved in some tangible way. Our door is open. Um, we've got a fabulous uh, staff here in Seattle, a wonderful uh, staff, uh, administrative staff in Vietnam, good connections with both the Vietnamese and the U.S. Uh, government. Um, so that, you know, uh, the, the, sky is, the sky is the limit as far as what we may be able to do down the road in uh, repairing the wounds of the Vietnam, the American war in Vietnam, and uh, creating a better uh, relationship between the American and the Vietnamese people. Well, it's encouraging to hear that actually a, our, one of our local representatives, Pramila Jaipul, is actually involved in, in uh, uh, helping to fund and publicize the UXO problem in Vietnam. She's a, she's a good advocate. and. Yeah. VFP has actually had a, a meeting or two with her uh, not on this not on this particular subject but on other subjects and she's a she's a she's a uh, real trooper for um, advocacy so um, any final, final thoughts Dan before we cut you guys off um, no I just uh, would encourage people to um, check it out uh, the website. Uh, learn more about it and uh, consider going on a citizen diplomacy trip. Uh, our staff is willing to provide information on dates uh, and uh, um, how, how cost and all of that stuff. Um, and uh, 
it's just an opportunity to connect with people of a different nation, of a different culture, and especially one that um, we we uh, devastated and uh, now trying to um, reconcile and and heal what uh, heal ourselves and heal the land that we destroyed and the people. And um, it's just a great organization to be part of. Well, thanks, Dan and Kim, for being on this VFP 92 radio show. It's yeah. a lot of good information about uh, Peace Trees Vietnam and what you're doing over there. And uh, this is being broadcast on KODX 96.9. My name is Mike Diedrich, and uh, I'm going to sign off for now. Thanks again. Okay. Thank you very much for inviting us.